Ready to light that fire by doing the things that make you come alive? Welcome to Health Razors, a podcast for wise women. I'm your host, Dr. Nadine. I left a soul-crushing medical career full of bad news and evolved into a joyful health integration coach, helping hundreds of women find their healthy. You're more than your dress size. Stop putting up with toxic relationships, swallowing your true emotions, and sacrificing your mental health. Stop using your body as a battlefield. You're always giving. You deserve to put yourself first, not just for your sake, but for those you love. Wise women, let's make ourselves a priority right now. It's time to raise some health together. This is Karen Nielsen, who has a very, very special place in my heart. I'm so happy that Karen is here with us today, wise women. Karen is a wife, mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. She's been practicing yoga for some 50 years and teaching yoga and meditation for many of those years, which is where I met Karen. She is taught throughout the southern suburbs of Chicago, and Karen delights in sharing yoga as a way of being in life and assisting others to integrate yoga in their lives as a spiritual science. Because Karen believes that our culture places attention on the physical as well as the intellectual. However, yoga is a way to cultivate our relationship with spirit. And so I just kind of, I'd like to go on record because you don't know, I've been talking about you for years as part of my story. To anyone who would listen, oh, Nadine, how did you go from doctor to yoga instructor? And when I tell my story, I always say that you know, I went into the teacher training program with no intention of teaching yoga, just not knowing what I was going to do next for my second act. And we had the traditional type of yoga classes, as you so well pointed out, um, is what I was experiencing at least was more physical. I was focusing more on the physical in classes. I'll take responsibility for that. Then one day you walked in and you did a class on the floor and it didn't look or feel like anything that I had experienced. It was gentle. There wasn't a lot of movement, yet it was so challenging. And that's when a light bulb went off for me. And I said, ah, this is the second act. Yes, through yoga. I will help others who do not believe that they can access the beautiful practice of yoga because they feel intimidated by what they think it is. And I just, from then on, it was uh, the rest is history. Yoga in the chair, in the water, on the mat, adapting it to all different body types. And um, I just want to say thank you and thank you, thank you, thank you for being here today as well. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. (laughs) I'm happy to be here. (laughs) So I'd like to really start off by um, letting you know that the reason why I asked you to be on here today is because I've been responding to my listeners' questions. They are wise women, and they are wise women who really take taking care of themselves very seriously. And they have been very curious. One of the common themes 
in my questions so far for 2024 has been that of adaptation, acceptance of a body that and a soul that is changing with time and how to still care for ourselves in a whole and responsible manner, how to adapt, how to accept. And you were the person I thought of right away. So what do you think? (laughs) I think I can use my teacher's words (laughs) because he often shared with us um, three simple words. And he would say, and maybe you'll recollect this when you hear me say it, he'd say travel with triple A. And the triple A used to be a traveling way of being, you know, maps and hotels and road closures. (laughs) But the new triple A is adapt, adjust, and acclimatize. And if we do those things, we suffer less. It's only when we dig our heels in and we refuse to adjust. We don't make adjustments. We just, nope, this is the way I am. That's problematic. If we don't adapt to the way our body is now, we can only think back to, oh, well, when I was skinny, when I was flexible, Mm -hmm. when, when I didn't have autoimmune, when I didn't have Uh, stenosis, when I didn't have arthritis, Mm -hmm. you know, but we have to adapt to a new way of being. So adjust, adapt, and then acclimatizing, you know, finding yourself more comfortable in maybe a body that actually feels strange to you because it hobbles when it used to glide. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's difficult to do each of these things, but I think for me, that's Um, my path in yoga is to consistently remind myself, I've got to adjust here. I've got to adapt here. I've got to acclimatize here. You know, it's the way we move through traffic in a car. You don't get to just crash into something. You have Mm -hmm. to adjust, turn on your signal, you know, move over Mm -hmm. and do the things you have to do. Mm -hmm. It's the way we need to travel through life. And my teacher was a wise guy (laughs) to be able to share that. And uh, there are still swamis at the temple that you know, speak on this and and they're reminded and uh, I'm reminded and uh, we reinforce and help each other move through the path because it's just not easy to do these things. But if you can, you'll suffer less. Why do you think that message is so difficult for so many people? Again, this was a common theme in my questions. Yeah, yeah. I struggle with it. I think we all struggle with it. Mm -hmm. I think that it's really easy to sort of glide into the past like and want it to be that way again mm. rather than opening ourselves to what the future holds or what the, I don't even want to say the future because I don't know that it's even we're concerned for the future I think it's more how do I how can I and this is where the magic I always tell my students it's magic that's the magic of yoga if you can follow I can simply say what makes it easier I don't know why it's as difficult as it is I think that's just our human nature. We get sort of stuck. And I think if you think back to when, when anyone thinks back to when they were younger, they might've viewed old people and what might they have said? They might've said that person is so stuck in their ways, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But like anything else, if I, and I can, this is really a dating thing, right? So hopefully we have older listeners. Mm -hmm. But if you have a a vinyl record and you put the needle on and it doesn't come out of the groove, it stays in that groove, eventually it'll just wear a spot down in that groove. If If I just rub on my pants with my finger long enough, I would wear a hole in the pants, you know, Mm -hmm. so we don't want to get stuck in our own groove, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which we all have a groove, Mm -hmm. but we don't want to get stuck in it. We want to be able to fluidly the same way a needle might have glided 
through the vinyl to come to the conclusion of the song. We need to keep cruising and not get stuck in a groove. And for me, the magic of it all is if I can follow my body's rhythm and if I'm guiding others, if I can assist them by, and you know how this is, I can throw numerous cues, so many that your mind is listening to the cues and you're trying to get your body to do it. We can come through a series of postures and I'm talking simple things, but if you're busy doing those, you're not thinking, I better go get gas in my car. I better go make dinner. I better, we're just thinking, where do I put this hand and what do I do? Oh, put my pressure here. Oh, this, it takes you and places you, for me, yoga places you in the exact moment you exist. And I would hope it wouldn't be intimidating for anyone because Every time you or I or any other person guiding yoga, every time we begin a class, none of us have existed in that moment previously. Mm -hmm. So it makes all of us a brand new person to that moment. So we're all beginners. So the saying in yoga is have a beginner's mind. Well, that comes naturally if you think about, I've never existed in this moment before. So now I'm a beginner just like my students are, just like the people that are choosing to practice with me that day. We're all beginning again and again and again. And now, here's an ad from our sponsor. In the mood for coffee, tea, yummy pastries, or cool swag? My friends at Infusco have got you covered. Infusco Coffee Roasters is a cozy neighborhood coffee joint in Sawyer and St. Joseph, Michigan. Infusco stands for a healthy community. They craft irresistible seasonal drinks, sourcing local artisans' products. The flavors shine from quality ingredients, and their beans are roasted on site. They do not hide behind tons of sugar. Every time I go, I'm greeted by my name with a smile. Bad service is just non-existent. It feels like stepping into a friend's living room. They keep it personal. Old school, eclectic coffee mugs on the wall. Fun merch, including stickers designed by artists, t-shirts, and sweatshirts. It's the perfect place to get to know your neighbors and chat with tourists. You will always find people deep in conversation. Special events keep it fresh. Community. Health, the heart of Sawyer. That's in Fusco. I hope to meet you there. So something that came to mind um, as you were talking about being in the moment, being present, is so I'm listening to those cues and I'm I'm able to leave the rest of my world outside and I'm present. However, I'm unable to let go of the judgment. Oh, Karen said I should place this foot here and that foot there. Gosh, I can't get there. Oh, my goodness, my body won't do that. Oh, no, I'm feeling it this. And all of a sudden, there's all of this flooding of judgment and all of the shoulds. What would you say about adapting and adjusting in that moment? How do you turn off that relentless inner critic. Boy, if I knew I'd have a line outside my door. <laughs> <laughs> We'd all be so good. <laughs> but I would say 
And I know that happens to me and it happens to others. And it's so easy to slide into that. But if I, I, at one point, actually, it was during COVID when it was hard to have a facility to practice in, I found myself in a dance studio and the entire one wall was mirrored. Mm -hmm. And so what I can say to somebody is that if we walk in and we all stood before a yoga class and we saw ourselves in the mirror, we would see that no two of us look alike. Mm. No two bodies look alike. Mm. So the way I move my body would not be the way someone else would move their body. If I'm demonstrating a pose, I often say, this is how it looks on this body. And by the way, on this side of this body, because the other side is going to look different. Mm-hmm. And it will not look just like when we all walk in, we don't all look alike. Postures are not all going to look alike. So that's in some way a little easing of the inner critic that mm-hmm. might say, well, this should be done this way. No, mm-hmm. it should be done the way your body says it's okay, that this is honoring me rather than torturing me. Mm -hmm. And people often look at yoga and think they have to be a contortionist. They have to have had Mm -hmm. a history of dance Mm -hmm. or gymnastics. Mm -hmm. And they say, I'm not flexible. And as you and I both know, it's about, are you flexible enough in your mindset to then if a pose is ultimately challenging or not good for your body, can you just come home to your breath? Can you just find that cool stream of breath coming in? And that warm stream going out and be okay with that moment, you know, that we place ourselves in almost unnatural demands, even in a yoga class, that we think we, if there's going to be 20 poses introduced, we think we have to be good at all 20. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. even our greatest of flexible and wonderful gymnastic looking yoga teachers would say, they're not good at all 20. They're, they're finding it in their body and you find it in your body on a rainy day, it's going to feel different than on a warm day. Mm-hmm. It's going to mm-hmm. feel different if I'm full. It's going to feel mm-hmm. different if I've had an argument with one of my kids. Mm-hmm. Your practice is influenced by your energy and what's happening now, not yesterday or tomorrow, but so you're affected. And maybe that could quiet, to, you know, kind of round it back to your question. Maybe that would quiet some of the judgment. But again, That's something we all wrestle with. That's part of being human. You know, we just tend to judge. But if we could think about we don't all look alike. And so I don't make or place unnatural demands on myself through yoga to look like anybody else's. I don't think we should. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 100% agree. So do you think, and this is something that I've thought about a lot with the kind of as a partner to the inner critic, which is, Acknowledging what is acceptance that maybe it's okay to grieve, to acknowledge that we're grieving a body, to your point earlier, that no longer is without a, like say no longer without arthritis or no longer without a stenosis or no longer without blood pressure, uh, high blood pressure. So is there a way to stop and acknowledge and actually give ourselves a little bit of grace and and self-compassion and actually grieve change. I think so. I think one might experience that in a yoga class. And I think that's one of the surprising aspects. If you look at yoga and think about stretching and breathing, but in the course of practice, one might find that they express or have feelings within that come up and one might be grief. And sometimes a yoga practice can 
actually induce that, not on purpose. It's just random. It's what's happening now um, that one might find themselves literally in tears when they're practicing what somebody else next to them thinks is a lightweight, easy yoga class. But in the process of doing mm-hmm. yoga for many practices, one might expect to come through the full range of emotions Mm -hmm. because we're following and every time we practice, we're executing what Stephen Cope, he's a psychologist out on the East Coast in a yoga, um, he used to lead a Kripalo Yoga Center and uh, he termed it the wave and it's Mm -hmm. breathe, relax, feel, watch and allow. Well, we're good at breathing because the breath is going to breathe us, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't really have a choice. We're pretty good at relaxing. Most of us can at least at one level relax. What we're not so good at is feeling. And I mean, that doesn't mean that we don't have feelings. It means that we won't acknowledge. We suppress them. We repress them. We stick them all up in the, as Stephen, he exhibits in one of his lectures. He says, yeah, we take a feeling and we lock it up in the attic like crazy old Aunt Tilly. And we don't want to deal with that feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what do we do with those? Because if we don't deal with them, we know how it is. Till he picks the lock and that circles around and enters our life again. And sometimes we call that fate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, that's that feeling and it's going to come back. So the feeling part of the wave is the roughest. If I probably asked like 10 people, just randomly stop them in the grocery store. What are you feeling right now? What are you feeling? What are you feeling? Probably nine of 10 could not tell you. They, and it's not that they don't know. It's hard to put words on it. And sometimes we have a flood. I'm feeling six things at once. One's a surface feeling. I'm feeling cold, uh, but I might be experiencing exactly that. I might be feeling grief. I might be sad for the person I used to be. Mm-hmm. I might be sad for those that once surrounded me that are not on the earthly plane any longer. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. definitely there's that heaviness, that grief can be there. And it's really not something to be locked up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, you know, if I look at, um, and I've taught meditation for a lot of years, and I used to say that emotion, if you looked at it like an equation, capital E dash motion, it's all energy in motion. We have mm. to just let that energy move through us rather than getting stuck, dwelling, creating stories about it in our own heads. Mm-hmm. So grief is definitely going to be part of everyday living. Some days more powerful and some days not. But I think in the realm of yoga and meditation, we would feel a little bit of every emotion we have the capability to have, which are the full spectrum, all of them, you know. Going to feel happy, going to feel sad, going to feel, you know, and the ha and the ta or the tie and, you know, the, the yin and the yang type of thing is um, the hope and the dread, you know, the happiness, but the sadness. And for me, yoga is a way to, even for a millisecond, find a balancing point right in the middle of those two where I can take a breath, where I can get a glimpse of what lies in between the thoughts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so how is this? You and I are both definitely both on the same page when it comes to thinking about yoga. It's not just a, a practice or exercise or stretching, taking it apart, only the meditation and it has to be done in this way and it has to be done in this setting. We know that it's a lifestyle. So what would you say to someone then who goes, who's might be listening and, and says, well, 
that's all great and good. I can do all of these things in a yoga class. But what about when I walk out? What about in my everyday life? Yep. Yep. It's hard to put it into action. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And and it's hard to find a way. I say, you know, yoga, just like your breath, your breath in a yoga class should be sprinkled in generously. <laughs> so when you leave and you're thinking, okay, that was great. Well, as long as I have somebody to guide me, I could do yoga. Yes. How do I do yoga otherwise? And I mm-hmm. say to people most often, it does not have to be rolling out a mat or even getting a chair. Mm-hmm. It does not have to be a ritual of an hour and a half, an hour or even 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It can be just a, a moment in time and um, practice a pause, just practice pausing, you know, just practice sitting and being conscious of a cool breath coming in and a warm breath going out. And that is yoga. But we have it in our heads that it's defined as a warrior, a triangle, or this or that. You know, yes. it yoga can be as simple as a breath. It can be simple as a mindful moment. And I think that's accessible to everyone. But it is a matter of, and even for myself, after all of these years, it's a matter of remembering to do it in the midst of everyday life and confusion. And if there's a chaotic energy, it's a matter of how do I put an interruption in that long mm. enough to you know, have it make a difference. And sometimes it is, it's just let me sit. And there's a question I pose to myself. I ask others to do the same. It's a really simple question. And it's in this exact moment in time, are you okay? And you use it first person in this exact moment in time, am I okay? And honestly, in most exact moments in time, you find out the answer is, yeah, pretty much I'm okay. And if you're okay, then let go. And I'll say what you're letting go of, you know, Okay, so this is something that springs to mind for me as you've been um, answering, which is probably the hardest part is the noticing, the awareness first in order to be able to do those next things, the breath and, oh, now it's time to take a pause. It's It reminds me of, so we have a puppy <laughs> and <laughs> um, I've been working with the trainer to start him off correctly, you know, so we can have a nice relationship, a mutual relationship uh, that is loving and respectful. And <laughs> one of the things that I, for me, still being a type A person, still thinking of a destination a lot of times, oh, I need to get this done. I need to get him to be able to walk on the leash. And she said, well, How about we break that down into micro steps? How about it's, first of all, get him used to the leash itself, the sound of the leash, taking it on and off, the feeling of having that leash removed and put on. How about we work on that first, get him comfortable there. Then we work on on the rest, take your time. And it was like, it was a light bulb moment. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's it's yoga. It's yoga showing up. It's (laughs) stopping. It's pausing and noticing and taking the steps that we both can. Well, in this case, it's it's us, um, the the puppy and me. But even for myself, taking it out of that situation, the stopping and the noticing and not, not letting the mind run away with, I have to get this done. I have to get dinner made. It's like, well, well, yeah, there are many steps before we get to having the food on the plate. And why am I making it overwhelming for myself? I guess is the point I'm trying to make. And yeah. and if I could just do that, and if I could just 
stop the, I think the awareness part, the noticing first is so hard. It is really difficult. Sometimes we can set ourselves up for, I mean, I can do a mindful moment in my car because I can tell myself that when I get stopped at a stoplight, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to use the time at the light to just take a couple of breaths, just find my breath, watch it come in, watch it go out. So there's a built-in mechanism. Stoplights don't mean agitation and God darn it, I'm going to be late anymore. Now Uh they're an opportunity to just breathe. It gets a little more difficult around the house because there may not be that steadiness of some sort of a trigger that would work. Mm, You know, mm -hmm. I used to think like a home phone ringing or even your cell phone ringing, but then we generally tend to it and get busy right away with whatever's on the other end, you know? Yes. But um, I think finding some sort of a, some trigger of some sort, I mean, it's in a sense, there are worthwhile rituals. They used to be more built in even culturally that people maybe paused before a meal and did prayer and now maybe we could pause before a meal and at the very least, just be grateful that there is a meal before us, you know, if we didn't need to connect it in any other way. But maybe when we eat, that could be a trigger. That could be a time I'm going to take a mindful moment. Um, I think both Eckhart Tolle, Titnat Han, names of people that have taught meditation throughout the world, actually. Mm-hmm. Many of their reminders are if you're holding, a, say you have coffee in the morning, mm-hmm. to rather than just gulping down your coffee to really feel the mug, to take the moment and feel the heat being transferred to your hands, the texture of the same thing as you were saying with the pop, you know, it's like break even those very simple things down, um, washing your hands, the sparkle of the water on the sink, the smooth texture, the smell, the scent of the soap. We can use any of these ordinary moments to assist us in just that little bit of a pause. And it doesn't have to take long. It could be not even a full minute. It could be seconds, but it's maybe helping ourselves like, okay, so each time I do have my chai in the morning, Mm -hmm. I'm going to appreciate the felt sense of the mug and the warmth. You know, that to me, that is a ritualistic yoga practice. Doesn't seem like it when people only think of yoga in terms of the physical. Yeah. (laughs) And, And in a class for one hour a week, and then you go about the rest of the week like nothing happened. But I I agree with you about the ritual. It's it's something that I've done for myself is even this morning, I found myself wanting to rush. So I, instead of using the coffee maker, I recently bought myself, I treated myself to a pretty um, French press. And so I have the grounds. And I said, oh, this is an opportunity where I can actually, instead of rushing through making it at the percolator, how about you do the French press? And stand there, nah. wait for the water to boil, and then pour it over you know, the grounds, taking my time and waiting for the coffee to steep. And you know, just really breaking it down into those small steps. And I do feel like I started my day off a little bit better than yeah, I would have. Yeah, it's nice to have those moments, you know, and it's, it, but it's tricky. It's hard to slow ourselves down that mm-hmm. way. But if you can build them in somehow and to not as well, and you and I both know, to not discount, and I hear this from students so often, well, I'm only doing yoga once a week with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's huge. That's huge. That is true too. That That's doesn't have too. to be, yeah, for folks to not discount that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's If you're doing that with consistency, mm-hmm. that's a tool. 
that's going to get, that's a tool that you're honing and you're learning to use it with greater skill every time you use it. You know, yes. it's it, it does not have to be, and I try to include that with guiding folks that maybe they're not so much cut out for uh, a consistent thought pattern of yoga or a consistent physical practice or a consistent meditation practice. Be happy that the nature of your mind turned you there for a little bit in time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, because that goes well, because this whole system is designed to serve us. So if if you're doing it for just that, and I don't want to diminish it by saying just that, but if you're doing it for that amount of time, don't diminish that at all. That's um, a tool that is honing. It's something you're becoming more and more skilled at using. And I would add that, especially if you've devoted yourself, you've given yourself that amount of time for your practice, that it can surprise you and show up in ways outside um, that you may not anticipate. For instance, even the simple act of driving. Oh, I'm noticing that my shoulders are hiking up. Karen told me to lower my shoulders in class. So that, you know, it it can translate outside of class. And and hopefully it does. That was like a little homework assignment I used to give in meditation (laughs) classes. We would use post-it notes. And on the post-it note, we wrote, lift your heart. And I would say, put this on your dashboard. And when they drive, it meant physically, literally, you don't have to metaphorically be all heart happy. It meant take your breastbone and lift it. Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. And it takes the rib cage away from the diaphragm. It mm-hmm. clears yourself for breath. It improves your posture. Mm-hmm. It was amazing how quickly that one little post-it note saying, lift your heart, just use it absolutely physically or take it and say, okay, I'm a little down. Maybe yes, now I'm going to lift my heart and feel somehow different if I breathe a few breaths or just change my way of thinking for the moment, you know, so it can be used in many ways, but even just a physical lift your heart just reminded me when you said little tools, little ways that we can integrate, sprinkle it into your life. So as we're winding down, are there any other beautiful nuggets of wisdom like that, that you feel would benefit um, the listeners as we've been having this discussion about adapting, adjusting, um, uh, acclimating, um, accepting um, that we are changing physical beings in this um, world and in our lives. What else would you say? Well, one thing I say that it's, it's, it's an inevitability. Aging is a truth mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. cannot escape it. And I think it was, uh, there's a reminder, there's a cute little meme or something that comes up on Facebook every now and again, and it shows the ancient redwoods. And how we revere them when they're in a hundred years old or better. Um, some of our antiques. And we say, oh, look at the patina. We never say, I don't look at my wrinkles and say, look at this patina. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we could. <laughs> we could just try to change that view that American culture is so focused on youth. That if we could think about, and every now and again, and maybe it'll help to just say, yes, a tree that's been standing for a hundred years as this certain nobility, and yes, certain antique furniture. And even we we love 
I love to look at old cars like from mm-hmm. back in the day, a 1953 Chevy or something. Mm-hmm. That why can we not look at ourselves? Why can't I say mm-hmm. I'm a 1953 model? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and 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 hey, it still runs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it could I use really a little like restoration. <laughs> it could uh-huh. use some restoration here and there. <laughs> Maybe I need the body shop <laughs> from time to time. Definitely need to be detailed. <laughs> <laughs> but I and am that model. And it, can't it, I hold it in that same prestigious state rather than a diminished state? And I kind of know? take this back to what you just said um, sparked this thought for me. It's it's also not just shifting the way you look at things, but celebrating the fact that even though you've lost certain things, you've gained, like you're a grandmother, a great grandmother. You weren't those things when you were young and had Maybe, oh, you know, the body that could do this or that. It's like, well, but now I have this. Now my life is enriched in other ways. So I think also looking for joy is oh, another yeah. um, uh, footstep, foothold into the adapting and adjusting and acclimatizing. Yeah, I would believe so. And sometimes it is. It's where we have to. It may not fall in our lap, so we might have to pursue it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And just that, when I can feel down about one thing, I, there's often, you know, the flip side is all the ha and the tha, the yin and the yang. Mm-hmm. There's always that flip side mm-hmm. to things, mm-hmm. you know, and just helpful to not get too absorbed into only one side. That, as we would know, if I pay attention only to one side, I'm going to start to list. I'm going to start to lean. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get heavy mm-hmm. on that side. So we have to kind of balance ourselves, you know, bring ourselves back to what feels like center for us by, yeah, acknowledge some of the, some of the good, which is not so easy to do in aging processes. Uh, easy. It's easy to, you know, get ourselves down. I think it's as well helpful just as you're doing to gather with others that are um, at a similar age so that even reminiscing, even referring as I did earlier in this time together, you know, to a vinyl record, you know, there are people on the earth now that I have no clue about <laughs> a needle stuck in a groove. They're like, what? <laughs> you know? um, so even helping yourself by making certain that every now and again, you're touching base with those that understand you're reminiscent or understand where you're at. So just as you're doing, providing support by gathering with others or being a sympathetic ear for others that might have some issues going on due to the aging process, you mm-hmm. know, no two ways about it. These bodies, these vehicles are only meant to last so long, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and they can mm-hmm. be vintage and they can be very cool, <laughs> 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 but they don't, uh, you know, they don't do 120 anymore. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> they may not shift as smoothly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like that point. Community matters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it really absolutely. does. It, I mean, it does for me and I can only speak from my point, but it really does for me. And even as I teach chair classes to see the people that come and we're just there's such camaraderie because then, as I tell them, every one of them are a thread in the tapestry that is created in that class that day. Or if we all need mm. to have a net beneath us, every one of us in that practice, we are each another fiber that creates the net that will catch us all. And on that lovely note, my last question to all of my <laughs> listeners is, or to my guests rather, is always, what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? Mm, that's a really good question. 
I think more than anything else, it's a mindset. I think it's more in my mind than it is in my body. And I think I strike that when I, again, just, oh boy, this is repetitious with me, but when I find balance, when I feel like I'm in a state of balance, and even if that's a microsecond, it makes a difference. It lets me establish. And that's when I feel healthiest. Otherwise, I can tell myself the story of my bad, this or that. I try not to label anything about my body bad. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to get into a story. So when I'm not telling stories about issues that I may have, when I find a moment that I feel balanced, that's to me, that's when I feel healthy. That's when I can breathe more deeply. That's when my body actually feels more agile. I might be inspired to go for a walk, play with my doggies, that sort of thing. Um, That's when I feel health, but I think it really emanates, it resonates, it comes from a place of um, when I'm feeling somewhat balanced, I think, emotionally. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for being you. Thank you for coming into my life (laughs) and for changing me for the better. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) It's wonderful to see you and to smile and laugh with you again. That's a really good thing. Wise women, move from last place to first place in your life. Stop using your body as a battlefield. Let's raise health together with a customized health plan just for you. Contact me at npkhealthintegration.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.